0: Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hewn. Our mission is to help you gain your freedom from the exhausting, never-ending corporate rat race. Because time is our most valuable asset. And life's just too short to do work we hate. Thanks for slowing down. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. Uh, Today, my guest is my friend, Nick Baird. Uh, Now, Nick has a master's in finance, and he's also an entrepreneur that's working abroad and earning an online income. And Nick and I met a few months back, and there was immediately a strong connection between the two of us. Both of us have, you know, had our struggles with mental health, which we won't really dive into today, but we've both put in a lot of effort. Uh, you know, into understanding ourselves better. Number one, so we can be happier, but then also so that we can increase our value and and serve others in a more positive way, which ultimately is going to, I think, help us create successful businesses. Um, and then the other thing is, is Nick and I both are, are very much in agreement on putting purpose and meaning in our work ahead of the money. If you do that and you serve others, then the money is kind of the residual. So, I'm um, excited to have a conversation with Nick here. Nick is over in Germany right now. So, Nick, thanks for coming on. How's it going? Um, ich bin glücklich. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. What's been making you happy over there in Germany?
1: Oh, man. So, uh, I graduated with my master's in December. And decided that I really wanted to live abroad and so I started this business in January I worked really really hard at it and in October 5th I landed here so it was it's really fulfilling to achieve a goal that I set for myself when I set it for myself I said I was going to land in late September and I arrived about a week late so um life here's great I there's there's like a community vibe that I don't quite get in the United States and I don't know that that could be my perspective on living at home, but um, there's like there's a bar down the street from my Airbnb where you can walk in and have it be completely normal to have a conversation with anybody there. Um, it's a musician's bar. Uh, the center is like a hearth with a piano and guitars and a bass and drums. And every night, anyone that comes into into the bar can sit down and jam. And they do. You, know, you never quite know what you're going to get, but it's always a surprise and often i'm impressed by the caliber of musicians i get to see so it's really fun
0: nice well as a fan of live music that sounds like my kind of scene man i love that um and we were talking a little bit before about how yeah here in the states it's it's kind of strange like i live here in dallas and there's a place that i can walk to right down the street it's pretty family friendly and so we'll go there on a saturday with the kids and hang out and have a few drinks my wife and i with some friends and yeah, you just see like groups of people, you don't see everybody, you know, kind of congregating and talking with one another. And usually the people that are doing that are so drunk and, ob- drunk and obnoxious that you don't really want to talk to them anyways. But yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely a different dynamic here. I've, I've never been over to Germany. Um, but sounds like my kind of scene, man. So I hope you're enjoying
1: yourself. Yeah, man. It's uh, I, I love life here. I'm so happy. I'm content. Happy may not be the right word. I don't know if we're ever really happy, but I'm content and satisfied and proud of the work I've done.
0: That's a great place to be, yeah, man. Um, happiness is a, a just a constant evolution, right? It's like we're we're constantly pursuing it, um, but we have to enjoy the process. We can't look at happiness as a destination, but as something that we're constantly pursuing. So I think that's a great mindset. I, I really want to get into lifestyle design here, Nick, because that's that's a big part of affordable freedom, you know, is, is just kind of giving yourself sort of that financial baseline, knowing what your enough is and covering those bills and knowing that they'll be covered now and in the future so that you can have the freedom to do work that's meaningful for you and, and and do stuff that fills you up versus stuff that drains you, and so talk a little bit about how you view lifestyle design and you know obviously moving from the U.S. over to Germany is a, a big change in lifestyle. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, um, you know I originally set out on this path just because of all of the things I knew I didn't want. Um, my first job out of college was a white collar, nine to five. Um, I was a financial advisor briefly and I had to be there at 8am every day. I had to leave at 5pm. It didn't matter how much work there was to do. I had to be present and uh, often there wasn't enough. So I wasn't really stimulated. I actually, maybe this is why they let me go, but I would often just bring a book because I'd ask my managers for something to do. I wouldn't get anything to do. And I'd be like, okay, you know, here here I am. (laughs) And, uh, so it's, it's maybe really small, but I'm not a morning person. You know, I wake up most days without an alarm. I might get up at 10 AM. I might start working at noon. And I love that because it doesn't matter when I do what I do. What matters is that I get it done. And I love the freedom to choose my own schedule. Um, and I love the freedom that working online provides too, uh, I studied abroad in Germany and kind of just fell in love with life here and made it my mission last year to come back. And I can't be, I couldn't be happier. You know, I've, I just plugged right back into my network of friends and uh, I'm supposed to go to Berlin this weekend with uh, probably about 50 other people. And, you know, back home, I don't, ha- I don't know 50 people who want to take a trip anywhere. Right. But here there's just a network and they are like, Hey, we're going to go do this thing. Do you want to come train tickets are hundred bucks? I'm like, okay here you go. And all I have to do is show up and go, you know, life is meant to be lived. And so I've built my work in a, in order to enable the life I want to have.
0: I love that you're able to just identify who you are as an individual, rather than trying to conform to a standard that, that doesn't fit you. Right. And, um, cause you, you mentioned there, you're not a morning person, you know, and like historically people would say, well, tough it out be a morning person early bird gets the worm right and you feel like less than or not good enough because you're not a morning person but you know if you adapt your life and your lifestyle around who you are then you're going to be more fulfilled you're going to be more productive you're going to be more valuable and so I just really like the way you look at that I've I've been as I try to understand myself more and you know, you and I have had conversations about this. um, I'm starting to realize like, you know, I I was reading recently about ADHD. Right. And, And what are some of the things I'm like, yep, 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 yep. Like checking off every box. And I'm like, huh, I was never diagnosed with this. Yeah. I like in the past, that's been viewed at as like a negative. It's like a disability, but if you identify this is nothing, like I don't even have to label it as ADHD. I just have to say, listen, this is me and the way that I function. And if I can build my life and my routine around that, then I'm going to be pretty damn good at whatever it is I'm trying to do. And so I like that you have that, that similar mindset. Now, when creating a lifestyle, you know, you have to be able to afford that lifestyle to fund that lifestyle. And one of the things I I know you wanted to talk about, and I want to hear Uh, your thoughts on is creating a financial runway, you know, where you can fund that lifestyle for a long enough period of time to the the amount of time that you either need or want. Like, I think that's a good distinction too. It's not necessarily what you need, the the amount of time you need to build a business. It's how long do you want to take? Like how thoughtful and methodical do you want to be? Or do you want to build fast? Right. So that's different from person to person. I'll let you just talk a little bit about Financial Runway and how you've developed one for yourself. Sure.
1: So a little bit of backstory. Um, My 20s was very full of scarcity mindset. Um, I didn't even know what that was. Um, When I was like 22, my girlfriend's mom was listening to me explain what was on my mind. And she was like, ah, you have poverty mindset. I was like, ah, you're right. Because I'm 30 years old. I was 16 when the 2008 financial crisis hit. And that was probably the first like true struggle I experienced in life. Before then I had like a really perfect childhood, you know, I played Pokemon and I went on camping trips and I had friends like I was a kid, you know, but my mother lost her job. My father lost his job and the atmosphere at home turned very negative. And so that stuck with me for most of my twenties and um, we'll, we'll fast forward through how I managed to, To get over that mindset shift but right now i came to germany because i hit my income goal which isn't Mm. anything ludicrously large i need about three thousand a month to break even on life here and that's not going without like i'm not buying cheap food i'm not avoiding the bars i'm not avoiding travel i'm just that's all i need um and i wanted to have a good uh, cushion in the bank Uh, my goal was six months i ended up with four but that's good enough Um, and just having that money in the bank and knowing that I have the income coming gives me a feeling of safety that allows me to find peace, um, and to, to take days off without feeling guilty. Like, you know, I think American culture is very focused on work. It's one of the things I've noticed coming over to Germany is when you meet somebody new in America, their first or second question is, what do you do in Germany I've met people who never asked me what I do. They just talk about things like their their identity isn't really tied to their work. And so I think I I came from a culture that was very productivity mindset and tried to make people feel like their job is to be productive. And coming over here, I've created a a bed for myself where not only am I productive, but I am also living a life that I can go to bed feeling good about every day. Mm.
0: Yeah, that piece of safety that you're describing is just such a such a huge advantage. Um, how did you come up on like four months versus six months? Like, how did you determine that that was enough for you?
1: You know, conventional wisdom six months, so that's just kind of where I aimed. I didn't think too much about it, um, but four months is plenty. I I can always tighten the belt a little bit and stretch it a little bit longer. I also like seeing that there's four zeros in my bank account. That's that feels really good. Uh, I didn't have that for most of my twenties. Um, so me personally, like that's plenty to feel safe.
0: Yeah, it's different for each person, right? Because when you say four months to me, that sounds like it's not enough time. You know, but I'm in a totally different situation than you are. You know, you're single. You don't have a family that's taking up a lot of your time you can go all in on this business, you know, when you're not out doing things in the community, you can go hard in the paint sort of Yeah. Um, somebody else who has other things to consider. They may want a longer runway, but whatever that financial runway looks like, if you build in the ability to expand it at periods of time, then I, I think that's a smart thing to do. Cause I was mentioning to you, Nick, about this mindset transformation that I went to recently where In my mind, when I started my business, I said, I've got non retirement assets that I can use as this cash runway to get things off the ground. Once I get to the end of that, that's it. I'm not dipping into my retirement funds because if I did that, I'm a failure and it's taking me too long to grow this business. And these were like just arbitrary limitations that I put in my own mind. And then I, I made the shift recently of like, who cares if I take some money out? If I take some money out, what's left in there? Give it another 20 years to compound when my wife and I are in our our 60s. You know, on top of the equity that we have in the home here, we're going to be just fine. So pull those assets forward and fund the present and build something that will actually create a better future. So the safety mindset is so underrated, I think. And that goes back to kind of the American culture. I think like. When I first got into the business world, and I was taught how to sell, it was from a scarcity mindset. It was like go out and buy that expensive car or that expensive home that you can't afford, and that's going to motivate you to close deals and bring in more money. That's and like we've completely flipped that on its head now, and I like our version much better, man.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just counted what it costs for rent and food, and occasionally a, a night out at the bars and a gym membership, and I'm like, all right, cool, got enough. Um, I also wanted to say like one more thing about safety too. Um, It's important to be really uh, intentional about identifying what really is the worst case scenario here. Um, You and I originally connected over some um, common experiences with depression. And one of the, I think it's called the dark triad. I'm not an expert, but one of the pieces of having a, a depressed mind is the tendency towards catastrophizing. And it's a very black and white thought. And if you don't sit down and actually think about the absolute worst thing that can happen, your mind just fills it full of fear and a big question mark and a big unknown. But, you know, the worst thing that could happen to me if I run out of money here in Germany or wherever I go next is I buy a plane ticket on a credit card and I go land on my dad's couch and I reevaluate what's next. Like... I'm always going to have food. I'm always going to have safety. I've got a loving father who would be more than happy to take me in. Like the, the downside is small, right. And the upside is very large. And so, you know, when I, when you weigh that against one another, the decision, at least for me, was very easy to make.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, so much out there and and so many external expectations and choices and things being thrown at us every day that we feel like we're not enough but to your point worst case scenario actually is pretty damn good it's nothing to get scared about (laughs) yeah so that's a great mindset to um that's the thing i've been learning about entrepreneurship is like optimism or optimism is so important and it's not blind optimism it's realistic optimism, but if you're not optimistic about the future, you're not going to be able to build anything at all. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, um, risk tolerance, right? As a financial advisor, when I hear the word risk tolerance, I always think of the portfolio risk, the, the, the assets that are invested in your risk of loss on that. Um, but you think of it in terms of debt accumulation for a new entrepreneur like how how much debt are you comfortable taking on to get this business off the ground so let's talk about your risk tolerance in that context
1: sure um so it it goes along with the the mindset change that you were talking about with okay it's fine if i have to dip into my retirement assets um i have had a similar thought recently where i'm like oh okay it's fine if i fund my business on a credit card. Um, I am, uh, lucky enough that in my twenties I had a a very capital intensive business. I would flip textbooks in college and twice a year, I would need about $20,000 to purchase inventory. I would sell it all and then I'd pay back the line of credit. And so, you know, when you do that for four years, your FICO score is ridiculously good. And, uh, so I, I went and applied for credit cards somewhat recently and was just, my eyes popped on the amount of money that the people, strangers were willing to lend me. Um, so the, the mindset shift that I am experiencing is where I'm okay with taking the risk on investing in something new. I've gotten to, I've been doing um, my marketing business for about a year and I've got to a point now where I have enough client work and enough um, self-promotion work in any given day that there's no room left for me to build for the future. I have hit my limit, and I'm not the sort of individual that can work for 10 or 12 hour days uh, with any like longevity. And so uh, I've just come to the realization that I need, I need extra pairs of hands. And so I did the math, and my absolute upper limit on credit is $35,000 got more available, but I don't really want to touch it. Um, what I'm genuinely comfortable with is probably spending ten. Uh, and the the way I'm thinking about it, um, I didn't even start with interest rates. Actually, I just I, I work backwards from the minimum payment and the amount of money I have in the bank and my current income, and I just ask the question: If nothing changes, how long can I sustain this uh, this investment? And so, you know, the the maximum bound of this thought process is if I invest all $35,000, that translates to $1,000 a month in minimum payments. And I can sustain that with no change in income for a year, which, you know, we, we could have talked about interest. We could have talked about the overall cost of not paying off your credit card balance and had a really solid personal finance conversation. But personal finance and entrepreneurship aren't quite the same. The, the calling card of an entrepreneur is the willingness to take risk, right? So given all that info from your perspective as a financial advisor, what are what are your reactions?
0: Well, I think prioritizing first and foremost, it's looking at those expenses, determining what you think the ROI will be on them and, and prioritize accordingly. But The thing is, is you're not really going to know until you start doing it and you start measuring the results, right? So, you know, maybe prioritize them and then just start experimenting. Take the top priority one. Start investing some money there. See if that moves the needle or if it just shifts your mindset a little bit to help you think about things differently. Um, I would say that if if it's something like working with a business coach or something like that you know, see how that kind of affects your your ability to kind of do things yourself. Um, and then, yeah, I, I would just experiment. It would be an experimentation process rather than, you know, dumping out the full $35,000 up front. And then I also think about it in terms of, uh, it, you know, going along your concept of viewing this debt as r- risk and, and, you know, risk tolerance. It's very similar to like diversifying a stock portfolio, right? You could have 20 stocks that you have a high level of conviction in, and then you diversify across those 20 stocks. You're looking at it as like, okay, you've got maybe these 10 different things that you can borrow to invest in for your business, and then you're going to kind of diversify that. It's like a debt portfolio versus a stock portfolio. I think that's a very good way to look at it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um and, and piecemeal it out. So that's that's kind of where I've I've stopped in my thought process. I haven't gotten any further. I'm I need to strategize on what exactly that money can afford and where to put those dollars. Um, I've kind of already decided that some degree of like coaching and consultancy will help because mindset's just always important. And having someone in your corner that can can fill you with a positive outlook is really important. But I don't want to spend anywhere near the lion's share of money on someone to like make my hands more valuable. I really need an extra pair of hands. That could mean a LinkedIn copywriter. That could mean uh, an SEO blogger. That could mean someone to help me build an email list. That could be someone that helps me build out a Twitter following. Like, you know, the world's my oyster. And uh, because I feel safe, I'm actually really excited to go explore You know, uh, I don't know what your experience has been, Brian, but I suspect you're rather familiar when you're just starting on LinkedIn, most of your effort is going to be in cold outreach and you're going to be knocking on doors and getting a lot of silence and a lot of just, you know, cold shoulders. Oh, thanks for connecting. And then the ghost, right. But now I get to knock on a door for a service provider and be like, Hey, I'm interested in your service. Tell me more you know, I'm not going to have any trouble getting people on the phone. And I'm I'm really excited to be able to switch that around.
0: Yeah, for sure. So what's your, um, like when you just kind of think about it, what's your gut reaction in terms of where the highest ROI will be in some of those investments that you're considering?
1: If I can find someone who can do it affordably, I think that custom-made videos, custom-made animated videos would be, where I want to begin and I want to distribute them on LinkedIn. I know it's not perfect because uh, LinkedIn penalizes you for leaving the platform. Um, so I, that's probably a problem I need to solve. But, you know, if I can get native video content on LinkedIn, um, I, it would set me apart because I don't really see anyone else doing that, really. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the sort of creative individual who, like, script just pop into my head. I don't have the artistic hands to create what I thought about, but like I can write what I want and hand it to someone who's capable of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So LinkedIn video is what my gut says.
0: So you would prefer scripted videos versus like an interview style video, because I know those are becoming more popular now. Our friend Jeremy Shear is is doing that, which I think is a really valuable service for the right person. Yeah but you want something that's a little more
1: scripted and kind of t-
0: how do you how do you think of that scripted versus non-scripted?
1: Uh think of it like the difference between a podcast and a Super Bowl commercial. Hmm. Super Bowl commercial is very tight. It's 30 seconds. You get in, you get out. And uh whereas a, a scripted conversation is really about creating a quantity of content out of a small sliver of time.
0: If it's like a a video like you said um Super Bowl ad, that just implies quantity, right? You need to get as many people as possible to see that ad. And that's why they're so expensive. Um, Versus podcast, it's kind of like, you can sort of connect with the right people and sort of build that community of people who like the work that you're doing and the mission behind the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just two different approaches, obviously. Um,
1: well, with the, with a a short form video, you can incorporate storytelling really intentionally, especially when you script it, right? Like tell a story is simple enough that it would belong in a children's book. Um, maybe a little higher than that. Uh, and it's simple, you know, simplicity beats complexity. When you're trying to explain what you do in a really complex manner, people tune out. So I'm sure you quickly learned that you can't talk about Roth IRA rollovers on your LinkedIn, right? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> that 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 went that went away rather quickly. Um, you can talk about that once someone's interested, you know. But uh, when they're getting to know you, their attention spans are short, and to to really capture it, you need to tell them a good story. Which I'm I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, I'm not great at doing. So that's that's why I want another pair of hands. I want to go find a storyteller to help me.
0: It's such a good point that you're bringing up um, because, you know, I've been talking a lot lately about quality over quantity. um, And that's good for me and where I'm at at this point in my journey. I've been creating on LinkedIn for a year and a half. I, you know, played the game of, you know, liking everybody's stuff, commenting, trying to build new relationships, trying to be proactive with outreach, all that kind of stuff. And like now I'm at a point where I can sort of pull back a little bit and try to increase the value that I'm communicating to the people that I've, you know, that I've connected with. And so right now where you're at, maybe that's the best route is to kind of play that volume game, you know, comment and like and all that kind of stuff every day. Are you doing that right now?
1: Yeah. Uh, my mentor, um, he, he accelerated my entry into what I do by the way. His name's Liam Carnahan. He's a digital nomad himself and his expertise is about 15 years of Google search marketing. And so we connected and he was the first that those were the first dollars I spent. And I credit a lot of my success to his continued experience and encouragement. Yes, I'm doing those things on LinkedIn. Um, we call it morning marketing hour and it's basically before you do anything at all today, you've got to sit down and you've got to promote yourself because it's the only way to have consistency. You know, When you're a solopreneur, you're going to have feast and famine. And during the feast months, when you've got a lot of quiet, client work to do, it's going to be really tempting to put off promoting yourself. But when you let off the gas of doing that, you're going to create a famine month down the line. So every morning, the, the plan that I actually got this from first gen folks, by the way, Every morning I'll send 10 to 15 connection requests to people that I consider my ideal client. And then I will hop into comment sections with new connections that are responding positively. Um, I'll hop into the comment section for people that I've built relationships with and want to maintain. And of course, anyone I would consider potentially interested in my service, I hop in there as well. Um, I post probably four to five times a week so the first step was I have to post regularly, which was a huge hump to get over. I was really scared to post it all. And then I got over that. And then I learned that sharing your life a little bit is really great for engagement. So, um, I've shared just this week, some probably low quality content, just like not a whole lot of effort, not a whole lot of value in the expertise I'm trying to share. And the, uh, impressions and the engagements reflected that. But I've discovered that when I offer free Google website audits and put a lot of effort in, like a week and a half ago or something, I put together a 30-slide carousel. I'm still getting notifications on that carousel, right? So when I put a good amount of effort into something and make it look good and I make sure it's valuable, it has longevity. So. I uh, I need to make sure I've got more quality coming out rather than quantity. That's
0: cool. I've I've noticed that too. Like you mentioned earlier about LinkedIn algorithm punishing you, you know, if you're off for a few days, they'll punish you on your reach or whatever. And so that's, I, I always had that in the back of my mind. Like I have to post every morning because I've made all this progress and I don't want it to go to waste, you know, and then, but what I've noticed is when I throw out a really high quality post where there's a lot of thought that went into it because this thing is like three or four days in the making. I've been thinking about it, you know, and, and it gets pretty good reach and good engagement. I think like if it's good, people are going to respond to it.
1: So tell me what has been your best post Describe best however you like.
0: The best one recently was what you're describing. It was a scripted video. I said, like, basically, this is sort of my why in terms of why I want to help people to exit the corporate rat race and create a financial plan to build a better life. Like, very authentic. I bared my soul about the experiences I've gone through and how that's informed my worldview and how that's informed the service that I offer. And it was a longer video than I would normally put out there. I think this one might have been four or five minutes or something like that. Four minutes. I remember it was four minutes because I actually said, like, I know four minutes is a long time. I know that's a lot of your time, but I'd really appreciate if you guys would take a look at this. My mission is really important to me. I mean, it got like 3,000 views. It got lots of comments and likes, and it actually resulted in some DMs as well. So, I, yeah, right and on, it was man. a very high quality, well put together video. So maybe you're on something with those scripted ones. Maybe you do like a scripted one and, and use that as sort of your quality. And then you do sort of the, you know, interview style with somebody who's able to interview you for an hour and give you a month's worth of content, you know, as they position it like Jeremy. And, uh, then you've got your quantity, like you take out a whole bunch of little pieces and you just throw that out there a few times yeah. a week. I don't even think you have to do it every day. I think like three days a week, three to five days a week is probably fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I would rather pop up in someone's feed with something they want to see rather than something that they're like, oh, okay, not this again.
0: Yeah. Rather than like, okay, I'm here. I'm trying to play the algorithm. Like people see that. They're like, oh my God, he's on there every day. He's commenting. Like clearly he's trying to play the algorithm. And then I think subconsciously that makes them think your value is less. Cause if you're, if you really truly have value to provide, why are you worried about an algorithm? You know, at least that's the way I think about it. Maybe most people don't. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I agree. The only reason anyone's ever going to show up is because they like what you're putting out there. So I, I don't, I won't knock anyone for like, and I, I'm really speaking to my past self. I won't knock anyone for putting out bad content. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to learn somehow.
0: 100%. Other than videos, which I think I agree with you. I think video is definitely going to be the driver for people on social media going forward, especially if you do have a very, you know, technical level of expertise, if you do have an authority within a subject matter, couldn't agree with you more on that. What are some other areas that you're thinking about using this debt to invest in?
1: I need someone really good to make my profile look good. It's kind of a hodgepodge right now. I need somebody to get my website to have a solid base of uh, just the home page is solid. It tells my story in the, in the way that it's supposed to. And I've got, you know, maybe three pieces of really, really valuable cl- content that speak directly to the people I want to speak to. So I'm, I, I know I, I do Google search, but the I don't think that this money can go towards that play yet. I know it's perhaps a little uh, ironic that I'm probably not going to specifically invest in Google search right now, but that's like a that's a six or a 12 month play and I need this investment to to turn around in probably three to four months. So I'll get my website to look good, but it won't be my traffic channel. My primary traffic channel is gonna be LinkedIn. Once I've got more rolling and things are working really well, then I can focus on the long-term play that is Google. Where would you start? Like, hey, Brian, here's 30 grand. Go spend it in the next six months. What are you gonna do with it?
0: Well, again, my situation is so much different than yours. I've made the choice to extend my runway and slow down and take more time, not 4 months. So, I'm all about the long game. I'm all about putting quality on LinkedIn, doing podcast episodes, making my newsletters better and more valuable for the readers, and creating synergy between those three things and building a, you know, community around You know this this idea of affordable freedom which i think a lot of people um i think it resonates with a lot of people and so that's kind of my strategy so it's totally different from yours so it's hard to say um i do think video in, in terms of and this is pure speculation on my part again we're not linkedin gurus by any means but i do think video is potentially a way to accelerate um business generation on LinkedIn, because when someone sees your face and they hear your voice, particularly if you do like the interview style stuff and and they can sort of see you having a human conversation with another person, I think that can close the gap a little bit. Well, listen, this has been a great conversation, my friend. Are there any other things you want to touch on and, and and chat about a little bit. Otherwise, I'll give you an opportunity to just let people know where they can find and, and follow along with you.
1: Uh, sure, um, I do have one thing I wanted to touch on. Um, I am a sucker for dad jokes. So, uh, what do you call somebody who speaks three languages? This is not a trick. Trilingual. Two languages. Bilingual. And one. Lingual. <laughs> good. Good guess. American. You call them an American. <laughs> Touche,
0: touche, my friend. <laughs> that's changing though. I do have my son in a by um, a dual language program. He's learning Spanish. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully we can hopefully we can change that joke in the future. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny
1: because it's true. Everyone over here speaks like three. That's the average. I've met people who speak seven. It's it's really crazy. Their minds work in mysterious ways. Um so anyway. Uh, here's, here's my best elevator pitch and keep in mind, my master's was a Master's of public Administration, not a Master's of Business Administration. So you know this isn't really my, my wheelhouse, but I sell visibility on Google Organic Search. My current base of clients is really all over the map. I can help website owners who have at least a thousand visitors per month in the near term. If you don't have a website or you don't have visitors, I can help you in the next 6 to 12 months if you have a long-term runway to work with. Uh, The particular value of Google search is that, so let's compare 10,000 visitors on your LinkedIn profile to 10,000 visitors on your website from Google search. On LinkedIn, unless you've done a really good job of curating your connections, that could be anybody seeing your profile. But on Google search, it's all based around keywords that you do research on and you make sure that your ideal client actually wants that information. So when 10,000 people show up to your website, Brian, as maybe interested in financial services, um, they're looking up how to guides and they're looking up, tell me how to manage my money. And they're, they're establishing you as a subject matter expert. These are the people in the market potentially for this service. So it's very targeted. It's like the king of inbound lead gen. Um, So anyone with over a 1,000 visitors a month on their website, I would love to talk to. And I am in the process of working with nonprofits. Um, My most recent client is a a nonprofit um, who serves people in Tanzania. He does uh, food scarcity work and economic development. I'm really excited to get some wins for him. Um, So yeah, that's my pitch. It's probably a little too long, but that's what I got.
0: Sounds good. Well, thank you, my friend. Um, And then again, you're you're on LinkedIn. Are there any other platforms that you're active on or just LinkedIn right now? Just LinkedIn. Me too. You got to master one before you move on to all of them. So Nick, my friend, thanks again for coming on. All right, buddy. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career, transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.